If there's one thing that I, I really agonize over, is this business of love. And I, I think maybe for some people it comes maybe a little easier, but for me it's something I struggle with. You know, it's, it's something I, I question in the scriptures, I, I wonder about, like, is it really, really, really possible to love somebody the way the scriptures just um, said, you know? I, I think it's, it's an area where I kind of have my doubts when I read those scriptures. Um, and I know for sure that you can't love, it, I, I just don't believe it's humanly possible to love somebody in the flesh, you know, without, without a revelation of what that love is. I don't believe it is possible to actually really love another human being. I mean, all you have to do is, you know, think back maybe on your pa pa parents for sure, my mom, you know, this is like, uh, we're looking at what love is, love no, keeps no record of being wrong. I don't know how many of you, maybe when you were growing up, if you did something wrong, your parents would say, aha, that's how you broke that plate last year, Tuesday, sometime, you know, and we keep accounts of all those wrongs, even, even when we say we won't, you know, we remember, and I, I you know, I, I a, a lot of times, I find myself remembering things that I don't really need to remember, you know, and that's all you were doing, we're keeping account, you know, or we say love isn't jealous, and then somebody walks past your husband or walks past your wife, and you feel like their eyes lingered on the person a little bit too long, and it's women, it's me, this one, you know, I'm a woman, so I can do this, but, you know, we have this look, this look like you dare, look at my man like that, yeah? I mean, in that area, I, I, I don't know if, it, if it's a blessing, but I, I tend not to be as jealous. I'm, you know, I'm kind of easy, easy like that. It's like, okay, so you want to look at him, look. But I think the fact of the matter is that it's where, I'm, where the problem is, is, is pride. Because I feel like, what, even if you look, you know, I'm enough. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm enough. You, you know, there's nothing for you to take. You, you can't, I, I, you know when you just believe like, well, nobody can take him from you. Yeah, so I'm not, you know, I'm not really phased in that area of jealousy. But that's not to say I'm not jealous. And I realized that um, a while back, I think I had gone off um, to England or somewhere. And up until that time, the kids were always with me. You know, I was just their parent. It wasn't like their mom. I was the parent. And so I left the kids behind for one week. I get back, the kids are sleeping in my bed with Carlton. I come in, there's hardly a hello mom. No, you know, no great big hug, no like, oh, we couldn't breathe because you weren't around. None of that. And, and in that instant, do you know, I knew like, you know what, you're actually jealous of your husband. You're jealous because he seems to have taken something that was yours, yeah? And of course, your children aren't yours solely, but that was how I felt, you know? So that, you know, so there's jealousy. And then I looked at, yes, love endures long. It endures long. And I'm thinking, how long is long? I checked the dictionary, man, and it was like, you know, long was just long. And I'm thinking, he doesn't speak my language of love. He doesn't get me. He doesn't make me happy. He doesn't, I'm not talking about Carlton, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, just all those things. And I'm thinking, how long do I have to wait? And I, I mean, I think for, for a few of you who, have been with us for a while. You've heard me say, you know, I packed my stuff. 
you know, I had all my suitcases lined up because I'd had enough and I was going. I am speaking about Carlton now. Um, but, you know, but I think over time, maybe I've grown up a little bit. I've realized, like, okay, that isn't really the solution. You know, it's, it's really not. I mean, it sounds cool until he hid my passports or hid the kids' passports or something, you know, so I won't be running away. So here I am, you know, thinking about love, and I'm thinking, okay, what is this love? What is it? Can you really define it? Someone says, do you love your husband or do you love your wife? And then you're like, yeah, I married her. And, you know, that doesn't tell me you love the person. And I don't think there's a description of, you can't describe love. You have to have a revelation of what love really is. You know, in, in the Hebrew, it's called hasid. Hasid sometimes is described as loving kindness or goodness. Then there's agape. Give me your unconditional love. You know that one, most of you, yeah? But <laughs> it's something you do need a revelation of. And when you look at Hasid, the best example that I can give is, you know, if you see like a baby elephant, and you, you always have this, you know, where you have some people whipping out their cameras to take pictures, you know, they go on safari, and you see a baby elephant and it comes out. And then you come with your camera and you start getting closer. And then all of a sudden, the bull elephant comes out and stands in front of his child. And what that bull is saying is, you're going to have to come through me to get to my child. I will kill you first. That is Hasid. That is Hasid. Because Hasid, Hasid will kill. It will kill for you. Yeah, it's that kind of love. The kind of love that will say, I will die for you. So you want to be on the right side of Hasid. Because on the wrong side, you're dead. Yeah? So we want the Hasid, you know, the Hasid loving kindness of God. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I've looked and I thought, okay, am I really the only one that maybe just can't give 100% love? Am I the dysfunctional person? I, I kind of don't think so because I don't believe that everybody here loves me that much. <laughs> um, and I don't, certainly don't love everybody that much, you know. Um, but I think for us to win as individuals and for us to win as a society and to be able to actually change this nation we're going to have to love, yeah? We're going to have to find a way to love each other, yeah? And we're gonna need a revelation of that love. And so recently, you know, that, that's really what I've been um, praying about. And, and you, you know, God has such a sense of humor because each time I pray, you know, I sort of like fall on my face. I'm like, Lord, I've messed up again. I didn't show love. I'm struggling here. And what does God do? He sends me another opportunity to love somebody else. And I'm thinking, the words aren't even coming out, but I'm thinking, God, help me. Do you have to test me again? You know, it's like, give me patience now. It's that sort of thing, you know? And I look and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, there's got to be an easier way. If I, if I give something to somebody, would that show that I love the person? Or if I do something, would it be enough, you know? But God is faithful. I hear him clearly. And it's like, no, that's not it. That's just not it. You have to work it out from the beginning to the end and, you know, and really learn to love. And so I know for a while now, I'm, you know, <clears throat> I've failed a lot of tests. And I've ended up angry. I've ended up in tears. Um, but, 
but God isn't, you know, he's not letting, he's not letting up at, at all in that area for me. You know, I, I feel like it's an area where God has, has called me to, to teach. Yeah, I, I don't think there's been any time that I've actually stood up here and taught anything other than love. You know, and I'm sitting there and thinking we could do a different topic, Lord. You know, but you, your, your free will doesn't always come into play in these things. 1 Corinthians 14, 1a says, Go after a life of love as if your life depends on it, because it does. The Amplified Version says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your greatest quest. And the New Living Translation says, Let love be your high, highest goal. So where does that leave me? And like I said, you know, I've been asking the Lord to help me to love him and to love others um, a lot more, all the while doubting the possibility. But he reminded me of certain things in order to help me and hopefully um, any of you that are struggling in this area, um, you know, to help me to, you know, love a little deeper and be a better friend and be convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that it is possible to love another human being even if they're not perfect. And he answered me by showing me the covenant that he made with mankind. The first ever covenant, you know, that God made was between God and man. It was the covenant that he made with Abraham. Well, Abraham at the time. Who went from being not very sure to totally convinced. Let's go to Genesis 15, 1. Yeah. Uh, this is a scripture I think Pastor has been, been uh, sharing on, so you should be familiar with it. Genesis 15, 1, and we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 8. Sometime later, I'm reading from the NLT. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I will protect you, and, I will reward, and your reward will be great. But Abraham... Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram out side and said to him, look up into the skies and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And, the Lord, and Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? So we see that doubt has set in. Yeah. How can I be so sure? And that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, how can I be so sure that these things are possible? Now, turn with me again to Romans 4, 16 to 21. And this is, this is where he's fully persuaded. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we are living according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham was the father of all who believe, 
That is what the scriptures meant when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God, who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept on hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, this is how, your descend- this is how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years old, his body, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced, fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. Hallelujah. So the question is, what happened in between the time where he was wandering and the time where he was fully convinced? You know, God, God spoke to him. And, he, you know, he said, yes, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a child. It's the same as when we read scriptures and we know, like, we're going to be healed because the Bible says by, by his stripes we're healed. And we know he owns the cattle on, on a thousand hills, so we're going to prosper. But until a light comes in where you are fully persuaded, very little happens. You, you need to get to that point of being fully persuaded. So to get a clear picture of what, what actually moved Abram from doubting God's word to God's word being possible, um, turn with me to Genesis 15, 9 to 10, and let's read it together. The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham presented all these things to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the half side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped in to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. If you notice, when God said, bring those animals, Abraham didn't say why. He knew. He already he knew what to do with them. God chose to cut a covenant with Abram. You know, it was a sign of his love and his commitment. Back in the day, covenants were, were things that happened regularly. You know, it, was, it wasn't a new thing for him. So when, you know, when God said, bring me those animals, it was like, wow, God wants to cut covenant with me. In this day and age, unfortunately, I think we've become very, very civilized. And so we don't, you know, we don't, we don't understand covenant the way it should be. And we've moved so much, so far away from blood covenants. But the thing is, the more you move away from a blood covenant, the more Western you become. The more we become truce breakers, backstabbers, promise breakers, adulterers, thieves, and liars. And while I get that, you know, we're in an African society, and so, you know, a lot of times when, we, when you know, if somebody said, oh, let's, let's have a covenant and there's blood involved, you know, we would automatically shy away. 
But the thing is, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Covenants are not all bad. Yeah, and you'll understand why in, in a few minutes. Yeah? And, you know, it, the, the covenant for, for Abraham was so that it could affect his will, his emotions, and his, well, basically his soulish realm, because that's the realm that the devil really grabs us and causes us to sin and to stumble. You know, and, and the reason why I read the last bit of that, that, um, that passage, the verse 11, where it says, some vultures swoop down to eat the carcasses. That's really the devil trying to come in again and steal something that God has ordained to happen in this place. So it took something extremely serious to mark and change Abram's mind. Just because God said he would give him an heir didn't mean that Abram believed him. He believed in God, but he did not necessarily believe that what God said at that time was true because there was no history, there was nothing. He hardly knew the guy. You know, when I thought about it, I thought, okay, well, that's true. You know, how many times do we read the first and second commandment? You know, love the Lord with all our hearts and soul and might, and then love your neighbor as yourself. How many times do we do that? We know the scriptures, we do. But even in the face of God, you know, we, we, we become idol worshippers on some level or the other. You know, if we're not, you know, it's like, oh, I would worship God, but I'm busy chasing a job, or I'm chasing a girl, or I'm chasing a guy, or there's, there's always something, you know. I, I, I remember um, a while back, and I'm saying a good while back, but there was this guy that I really liked, and um, he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't. But you know, ladies, when you feel like you're so in love that you don't really care anymore. I don't know if it happens to guys, but to girls, sometimes we get to that point where we, we're ready to put everything to one side. And so in my mind, I kept thinking, I don't care. He's not a believer. I really, really don't care. I just really like him. You have the devil here. You have the little angel here. And one is saying, you know that's not scriptural. It says a threefold cord will not easily be broken. When you take the guy who's not saved, what's going to happen? How, how are you, where, when there's a problem, where are you going to go? Where? You know, and at the time, I remember in my heart, and I think I actually whispered it out, that I don't care. I will go to hell for this guy. Yeah? You laugh, but I, I did. I know I did. Because I just felt this was my soulmate, this was my everything, he was too cool, he was just, just everything I wanted. Really, I just, just absolutely everything I wanted, and it just seemed okay. Yeah, and we get to that place sometimes, and I, like I said, I think it's more a female thing, where we're ready to abandon everything, abandon ship, for, for the sake of love, you know. But at the end of the day, you know in your heart of hearts that it's not going to amount to anything. You know that you are in for a world of hurt. You know that there are going to be problems because you have no basis. There's no covenant there. Yeah? You're serving. It's like light and dark. It's not going to work. Yeah? But let me, let me not digress too much. So like I was saying, Abraham didn't really know God that much other than, you know, in a vision or a dream. 
Um, but a covenant was something that he understood. And I want you to understand that this covenant was born out of God's love for us. Yeah, it wasn't just for Abraham, it was for us. You know, so hopefully we'll get a revelation of this and be able to love in the God kind of way and get it right. Because if we don't, you know, we, we'll never be able to anchor our mind, our soul, our will on the word. Yeah, and this word, this word isn't just a religious book. It's not. It's a covenant. Yeah, it's, it's lift up my iPad, it kind of doesn't have the same effect, but this is the Old Testament and the New Testament iPad. Um, <laughs> but, but really, it's, it's um, two covenants. Yeah, two covenants. Yeah, and that's something we have to understand. In the covenant of blood recorded in the ancient times, families made covenants with each other based on need, on strengths, and on weaknesses. They were not based on similarities or what they had in common which is very unlike what we do a lot of times. You know, it's like, okay, I'll get married to Joe Bloggs because we have so much in common, yeah? Um, but the fact of the matter is we're supposed to be going for what they have different. We sh you know when we say celebrate people's differences, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Bring those different things together and make something beautiful, yeah? That's really what Covenant was based on. Um, so... For instance, I would marry, well, I have married actually, somebody who is very different in the way he thinks because he's very logical and technical and he's, um, what's the word, auditory. I am very visual. I'm very creative. And of course, it means that a lot of times we see things just so different. Yeah? So that's kind of a good place to cut a covenant. Or you might decide to cut a covenant with somebody who's from a different race. Yeah, because they have something to give just as you have something to give. And if we understood covenant, trust me, there would be no racism. There wouldn't be. There wouldn't be no, you know, there wouldn't be any, anything about like, oh, this is your religion and this is my religion. And, you know, what I'm talking about today is like covenant type of love and getting it right. As an example, we have two families. One family is like super smart and the other family are super strong. So they come together to make a covenant. The family that's super strong could be as daft as a sweeping brush, but hey, they're cutting covenant with people that are very, very smart. And the people who are very, very smart might not be able to fight at all. And so they come together and they form a covenant. And when they do that, what happens is that, you know, they, they join together, yeah? And both of them enjoy their strengths. Yeah? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, the, the, let me also say that the, the covenants, when they, when, they, um, when they set out to make a covenant, it was to last for eight generations. Yeah? When God set out a covenant, it was to last for a thousand generations. Yeah? So we still have a, a way to go. We're under that covenant. So the first thing they did was that they spent a lot of time ironing out the terms and promises of the covenant, the blessings for keeping it, and the curses for breaking it. When, when I read this, I was just trying to study it out. When I, when I read this, I was thinking, oh, yeah, you know how we all sing Abraham's blessings are mine? 
Have you ever heard anybody saying, Abraham's curses are mine? Because we, we, we always look at the good side of things. But there is a curse. When you break a covenant, there is a curse. You know, so let's, let's balance things out and not always just pick out the things that are nice and sweet and juicy in the word. Yeah? Covenant is covenant. And this is how, and this, the covenant we're using as an example is not like one of those ancient ones where, you know, other things were involved. This is a covenant that God himself cut. Yeah? So, they, they spend a lot of time and it, it's, it's always tough because if you imagine that you have all these really brainiac type people, you know, trying to come to some sort of agreement with these people who are warriors, they're going to fight because those ones may not get it. Maybe they're using like all these long English words and these ones are like, huh, what are you on about? You know, and then of course, when they get annoyed enough, they probably beat them to pulp. But basically, they would have to stay there until they ironed out all the terms of agreement. So that bit, that bit took a, um, quite a while. And then the next thing they did was they chose the covenant site. And it was usually a place where every family member could see and hear the whole ceremony and sacrifice as it goes on. What happens here is actually much more binding than family ties. You know that saying that says um, blood is thicker than water or um, blood is thicker than milk? We, you know, we say it when perhaps... Um, Somebody does something, but your family is there, and you're like, oh, well, at least I have family. Blood is thicker than water. But it's wrong. That's not what it means. It means the covenant blood is thicker than the water of the womb. Yes? Your covenant brother, somebody that you're in covenant with, that relationship, that is the blood covenant. It is, it is stronger than if you and the other person sucked at the same breast. Yeah? It's a Middle Eastern um, saying, and it's where we get the, that scripture that says, um, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Friend is actually in capitals. It should be in capitals because it is a covenant word. Friend is not like, oh, I've met you twice. I like you and we're friends. No, it's much deeper than that. Yeah, it's much, much deeper than, um, than all that. When you have those kind of friends, you know, it's, it's the kind of friendship that can't be broken. It's binding. So, moving on. The animals are, are then selected. God told Abraham to get three animals. They were large ones so that there would be a lot of blood. Um, back then, people used a lot more um, animals, but God decided to ask for three, and so we'll stick with the three that he did. So what they do, or what they did, was they would cut the animals from the back of the neck all the way down the spine, yes, and let the animals split open on the floor. This, the, the way they kill these animals, sacrificial um, um, animals, is different from how they would normally slaughter any other kind of animal. Yeah, it is, it's, it's a different thing. It's specifically for covenant. So he would do that, um, and then the ceremony begins. So each representative would take off their coat. Yeah, I had, I had planned to bring a jacket, but I forgot. But you, you know, so you imagine now that we're taking off the coat, and I'm handing my coat to the rep. Okay, so first, they choose the representatives, so you get the brainiest and the strongest, using our old example. The two halves, I said, were laid on opposite um, sides to create what is known as the way of blood, yes? Um, and it's from the three animals, and then the ceremony begins. 
Each representative takes off his coat and gives it to the other. This represents each person's family, what they are, what they stand for, how much power is at um, their disposal, how high up the ladder you are. So maybe if you're a private or you're a general, um, whatever it is. Yeah, but it's like how we, we, I guess we still have it. You know, you know from people's coats what exactly they are. Um, so, for instance, when Jonathan gave David his coat, he was offering him the benefit of, you know, of the standing he had in the palace, yeah? And, and they were sworn to protect each other to death. The, and the re- and that, would, that would explain to you the reason why um, Jonathan always went and told David that his father was trying to kill him, yeah? Because they were, they were bound together, yeah? Even, you know, they caught covenant, because if you remember... You know, he gave him his coat and his armor. And they didn't really go into a lot of detail because I guess they, f- they felt that any civilized country, um, um, people would understand covenant. But there was an exchange of everything. So um, the next thing that happened was that weapons were exchanged. So that, you know, for, for the brainy people, it might be their bows and arrows and guns. For the, uh, sorry, the, for the warriors would be their bows, their arrows, their guns, and for the computer, um, um, maybe computers would be the weapons of the brainy people's warfare, so it would be the iPads and iTouches and what have you. Yeah? And what they would say then was, your enemies are now my enemies. I will fight your fight, and I will teach you to use my weapons too. Yeah? So it could be the weapons of intellect or weapons of war, but there was an exchange. Once those were done, the two of them would walk down the middle of the animal. And that, like I said, that place was called the way of blood. You know the scripture that says we have a short, uh, uh, was it a, 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 a new way, a sure way? Yes, it's, the, it's Jesus Christ. Yes, that's it. It's the, the way of blood. And so they would walk down in blood. I'm, I hope you guys are as visual as I, but if, if you imagine that there are animals on this side and there are animals on this side, and so... We're walking down the middle, yeah? So you have two representatives. One person is coming from this side and one person is coming and they get to the middle, yeah? And once they get to the middle, they stop and they say, even as this animal has died, I will stand with you even in the midst of death. Standing in this blood, I will make promises I can never break. Then the promises also known as the blessings are made by each party like the blessings of Abraham that we often refer to, but they're standing ankle deep in blood. There's something about blood. I mean, if you can just imagine standing in animal blood, you know, it has a smell. Blood, blood does have a smell, and it has a feel that marks your brain indelibly. You won't, I just don't believe it's something you'd forget if you stand in that much blood from animals just flowing, Yeah. And then once those promises are made, the representatives make a cut of the covenant and it was usually in a place that could not easily be seen, like on the hand, or on the wrist, or around the thumb, where plenty of blood could flow, could flow, and then the hands were bound together, so they would literally just tie their hands together so that the blood would mingle as it flowed down their forearms, and they would swear the oaths of their family. And that's why you have people saying, oh, I swear. Yeah, like in the court, they, they put up their hand. But that's where it came from. It came from people swearing, you know. Um, 
of course now we bit modern day um us now and and God's people we don't have like an outward um sign of of um covenant you know because then back then it was actually almost like a show off type of thing you know because it was like oh well I'm now joined to this family and you could brag on it but you know God wanted to take all that away so hence circumcision because there are very few people I think that will be standing around saying hey I got me um a mark I don't think you'd be showing that off um you might get that later um but the next phase is one that's very important once the oaths are sworn you know they um they say i will never leave you or forsake you so help me god and with god as my strength i will live my life meeting your needs the scars that i talked about are treated with gunpowder so that they'll be raised and they will darken um and they will never go away so it was obvious and that's why i said people actually sometimes you'd find them bragging because it's like oh man i'm hooked up basically to some um great family and the climax of the whole ceremony was the name change so family 1 would become family 1 2 and family 2 would become family 1 2 yeah so for god when like when god cut this this covenant with with abram he became he revealed himself as el shaddai the breasty one um and he changed abram's name to abraham so become so and so becoming the god of abraham and abraham became the friend of god and like i said friend is a covenant word yeah So likewise if you have families like the Smiths and the Williams getting into covenant you they would become the Smith Williamses. Um and all you know back in the day all these covenants used to be filed. Once the names have been joined everything so I'll be the Williams so everything that I have becomes yours and everything that you have becomes mine. Yeah that's that's what covenant meant and You know if you stop for a minute and just think about the fact that when you accept Jesus you stepped into God's covenant and everything that he has is yours everything that he has is yours that's God's covenant yeah and you know I I was thinking about it and I was thinking and what has God revealed how did he reveal himself to us and he's revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh so you imagine walking down in that blood. Yeah, picture yourself there walking down in that blood. And he's saying to you, I am Jehovah Jireh. He's saying to you this morning, I am Jehovah Nissi. I am Jehovah Shekinu, your righteousness. I am Jehovah Shalom, your peace. He's telling you, I am Jehovah Rohi, even your shepherd. And he goes on and on and on with all the covenant names. and you need to put yourself in that place i mean i when i when i was doing my study you know i literally began to cry because i think i took a lot of things for granted but seeing him and like i said you know because i'm such a visual person i i saw it it's like the penny just dropped that i have a covenant with somebody who created the heaven and the earth with somebody who is so loaded that really i should never be saying i'm broke or i should never say i'm ill we came from a place where somebody if somebody called and said sickness you would be saying yeah here i am poverty i'm here um but now because we have that covenant if they call sickness you sure shouldn't be answering yeah they call poverty it has no business with you 
you, you have a covenant. You have such an awesome covenant. And then, you know, um, let me get to where I am. Okay, so once these, everything I have belongs to you and everything you have belongs to me. And even then, I, then I thought like, you know, God really did, he got the short straw. Because even with Abraham, when he, when he said everything that he said, when he blessed him, what do you think Abraham had to offer? Like us, what? So I'm sure God said all the things, you know, in blessing, I will bless you and I'll do this and I'll do that. And, I'll do. and if I were Abraham, I would have said, okay. Because surely, what's, what, what, what do I have to offer? You know? And there's nothing. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, um, you know, so I've said, imagine that you yourself walked the walk of blood with God Almighty. What do you have to offer him? What did he offer you? I think that when you get a revelation of this, you'll never doubt. Never doubt the word again. Yeah? Because you'll know that you walked the way of blood with God. And your family becomes twice as big as it ever was because you've joined families. And Ephesians 3.15 talks about the, your whole family in heaven and on earth. That is a covenant statement. And that's what, throughout the, throughout the scriptures, you just see covenant statement after covenant statement. You know, the whole family. He's telling you, your family is there and it's here. We have the great cloud of witnesses. You have the angels at your disposal. We have so much. And then as if that's not enough, they then have the covenant meal. The elders of the household would get together with their households and the two families would mingle and have a meal. So first of all, what they do is they get the elders and they give the elders bread and wine. And the elders would feed each other the bread and they would say, this is my body. I'll die and let you eat my body before you starve. And I'll take care of you even if, I, even if you have to eat my flesh. Doesn't that remind you of Jesus? Yeah. He says, I will die and go to hell rather than let you go. And that's exactly what he did. That is covenant. That is love. And then they would take the wine, which represents the blood, and they would feed each other saying, this represents my lifeblood. My life is in this blood. The very lifeline of my family is in this blood. And I'm offering to you my sons and my daughters. For your sons to marry my daughters and your daughters to marry my sons. I'm offering you my land I'm offering you every single thing I have. Drink it. And then after all that, the family go get together and they feed each other. And you can imagine, I mean, we have very big families in Africa. So you imagine bringing your whole family and you're feeding them and you're saying this to them. I'm giving you my everything. 
That's what we are saying. When you get married to somebody, really, that's what we should be saying. I'm giving you my everything. My everything. Yeah. And like I said, it's not just marriage, it's friendship as well. Yeah, let's not be backstabbing friends. I was saying to Pastor, this is on a lighter note. I was saying to Pastor the other day that wouldn't it be funny if we gave out, um, if we printed out some, some cards and just put them on the book table. And when women, and I'll talk to women because I'm one, but when women say bitchy things, as they're walking past the bookshop, the, the, um, the bookshop people should offer them a, a B card. Yeah? Because I think, I for one, I'm just tired. I think they're just, they're just too much bitching. And I'll use the word. I don't know if it's scriptural or unholy, but I will use the word because we bitch too much. Yeah? Women need to compliment women. Women need to build each other up. But we don't do it. We're just there, always finding faults in other women. Huh? What are you doing? What are you doing? Or, or people come to you and they say, no, they're going through marriage problems. And they're like, how can you take that from him? Excuse me. Did you make the covenant with him? No, you didn't. So, butt out. Yeah? There are so many things that we do that break each other down. We, we really, we tear each other apart with it. Or we just jump to the wrong conclusions. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy, so I don't really know. So don't, you know, don't think I'm just getting all over the women. I'm saying it because I'm a woman, you know. But we jump to conclusions too much. You're, you're, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Pascal somehow is sitting next to Toyin and then his wife isn't around. Then somebody comes and says, ha, hmm, where were you last Sunday? Hmm, you should have seen how close Toyin was sitting to Pascal. Normally, it is a woman that says those kind of things. Do I lie? No. Yeah? Let's get it right. Let's just get it right. Cover your, cover your, your, your neighbor's back. Yeah? Come on. Let's love each other. Let's love each other because we're just going to tear each other apart and never be effective when we go out of church. It, this isn't about church. This is about our society. This is about changing our society. Yeah, and I'm talking to myself as well. Yeah, so don't think, oh yeah, she's getting all over us. No, you know. So, um, where was I? Yeah, so, and like I was saying, this, this message isn't really about covenant as such, but it's about the love of God, and, you know, and, and God just couldn't believe that, um, that he, I mean, sorry, Abraham, Abraham couldn't believe that God just wanted to bless him so desperately. So God put it, the, you know, he put it in the framework that he knew that Abraham could understand, and he understood that when you enter a covenant, you can't force somebody to, to, to enter a covenant with you. They have to choose to be your family all the days of their life, regardless of what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you hear about the person, gossip. Um, you know, the person can be breaking your heart. You have to love them. That's the truth. You absolutely have to love them. If you are in covenant with somebody, you have to love them regardless. Yeah? It's not, oh, were they nice today? Oh, she looked at me this way, or he looked at me that way. Yeah? You're bound, you're sworn to, to loving them. And so when God, 
told Abraham to get those animals, he immediately knew that God had chosen to enter a relationship with him. And it meant that he could do what he said he would do. So he was then fully persuaded that he would give him a son. Yeah? And so for me, just even reading this makes me feel comforted that it is possible to be fully persuaded that it is possible for me to love another human being the way God requires that we love another human being. Yeah? And, and for Abram, you know, he was convinced that he would give him a son. And that's the reason why. When, when God called him and said, Abram, bring your son, your only son, the son that you love, Isaac. It was almost like as if he wouldn't know when he even just said, bring my son, you know. But he, he, he stretched it out so that there was no doubt. When he said, okay, come and sacrifice this boy. Abram wasn't afraid. He didn't, did he notice that he didn't beg? Yeah, because some of us would be like, ah, Lord, please, oh, don't kill my son. This is my only son, my son that I love. His name is Isaac. Like, the Lord doesn't know or didn't know. Do, do you get me? He, he, he had gotten to that point where he was so persuaded that God did not mean any harm. He would not harm his child. And if he, even, if he, even if he killed him, I am sure he was convinced that he would raise him from the dead. Yeah? Let's read Genesis 15, verse 17. So 15, 17. It says, After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. So I want you to even imagine, again, you know, they're walking down in the middle of the way of blood. And the Lord came down like, like fire. Ezekiel 8.2 says that, that God is a fire from the loins up and the loins down. Habakkuk 3.4 says that his brightness was like the light. And he had rays, rays flashing from his hands. His glory was so magnificent that he told Moses he couldn't look at his face and live. That's the awesomeness of our God. Yeah? And so when he walked the walk with, with um, Abram, he was covered in smoke and a cloud of glory to protect his covenant partner. But the fire, of course, was still shooting out of that furnace until the whole area lit up. And when the fire and the splendor walked along beside Abram, they walked the, the way of, of the blood together. Imagine it like everywhere just being lit up. Imagine sparks of flames and fire and splendor all lighting up the place. And with my imagination, I, I somehow imagine seeing footprints along the way. Just the Lord, you know, walking and seeing those footprints as Abraham walked along. And saying, I will be your God. I will be your God. In Romans 4.24, it says that the scriptures were written for our sake so that we will learn and will have hope and so that we can anchor our will, our emotions, and our mind. And like I said, that's the soulish realm, the area where the devil attacks us. 
I want you to remember that God didn't have to cut covenant. He chose to so that we could understand his desire to give and his desire to serve. And the force with which he does things is the force of love. In, you know, love, like I said, you know, in, in Hebrew is hasid and in Greek is agape. You know, and the closest description of the word would be that I, I love you. I will love you. I will choose to love you. I will choose to protect you. Yeah? And when you, when you get that understanding of the love, you find that praising God is even so easy. Because he's done everything. He's really, he's set that table, that banqueting table before you. Yeah? He's done it. In the presence of your enemies, he stood there in the blood and said, you know what? I love you. And that's, you know, and... and that's the way God, God, God teaches us things by example, you know, by example. So we know that it's possible. And it says like God set himself before Abraham. And Jesus was born of the house of Abraham. He did not come as the son of God. He came as the son of man. And he proved it on the night that he derobed himself and he washed the feet of his disciples. Remember the exchange of the coats? And he said, this is my body. Eat. I will die and go to hell rather than for you to go. This is my blood of the new covenant. Drink. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And John seventeen twenty-five and 26 says, O righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. He's declaring the Father's name again. And these that you have sent me, they know you. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it. That the Hasid Agape love, I added that, yeah? That with which you have Hasid Agape loved me may be in them. Yeah? That love. Jesus prayed that it will be in us and I in them. We are children of the covenant. And that love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we have the love of God living in us. Hallelujah. Amen.